One of the most significant, most beautiful pictures in all of Passover is the breaking of the middle matzah. Now, if you say middle, that sure hopefully implies to you that there's one on each side, right? Yeah. yeah sure. So think top, middle, bottom. All right. Three matzahs are placed in this special white covering. The middle matzah and part of the service is removed and broken. The larger piece is wrapped and it's hidden. It's called the afikomen or the afikaments, and people call it different things. Uh, real significance here. Most say afikomen, though. Uh, it means that which comes later. It's a Greek word. All right. So ask the question in your mind. Why is there a Greek word in the middle of a Hebrew Passover? Mm. Hmm. The Afikoman is hidden or buried, and later whoever finds it gets a prize. That seems like an odd thing that stands out if you were Jewish and not trying to believe in Jesus. Interestingly enough, stealing the Afikoman is a reenactment of Jacob stealing the blessings that were supposed to go to his <sighs> brother Esau. A lot of games they play at Passover. Why are there three matzahs? Well, it's hard to miss. Yeah, it's Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's other opinions on that, but it's obvious. Uh, the Son left heaven, was broken, buried, and then rose again alive. Whoever asks him or asks Jesus to forgive them, come in and live in their heart, they receive a great reward, eternal life in heaven. So when you take this piece, then spread has got holes all through it in the way they bake it because it doesn't have yeast. So you single out this piece of bread because Jesus was foreordained to die for us. We break it because he was broken for us. We hide it because he was buried with our sin, and we bring it out later because he rose again. Now, there's no, um, there's a certain order for the service, Seder or Haggadah, that, that word has to do with order. Uh, we eat that piece of bread brought back out before the third cup of wine because he was three days in the grave. And we'll eat it because you must accept Jesus into your life to be saved. So far and wide, and at that point in the service, you hide the afikomen, and you're going to come and bring it back later. That's probably the most significant part of Passover, besides the lamb and the wine. There's four questions that you ask. Four questions about what makes this Passover night different, and the answers are actually the telling of the Passover story of slavery of Pharaoh and the Ten Plagues. We're talking about how Jesus did the Last Supper, as opposed to just a, a traditional Seder. This right. is another area where he he changed a bit. Jesus, instead of going back and telling retelling the, the story, now he might, it might not just have been written down in, chap, in John, but he focused not on their history in Egypt, but on the future. In the book of John, in the places Jesus would normally share the story of the first Passover in Egypt, he reveals who he was as Messiah and talks about the Father and the Holy Spirit. So he's bringing the revelation of those parts of the story from long ago, from 1,500 years prior to that, to help them understand who he is better. Appropriately, the traditional Seder story fits nicely with a rather grim second cup of wine. Remember, Kadosh was the first one. Mm -hmm. Be different. The second cup are plagues and iniquity. It resolves uh, the, to the verse, Allah free you from being slaves to them. A full cup represents joy, but we want to remember the Egyptians who died, so we say each plague, then you dip your little finger in the cup, and you allow a drop of the wine or juice to fall into the plate, and you do that to, take, to intentionally take away some of your joy. Hmm. See, these are the ten plagues which God brought upon the Egyptians in Egypt. And you, you name them all, blood, frogs, lice, swarms of insects, cattle disease, boil, hail, locusts, darkness, slaying of the firstborn. You do all of that because you, you don't want to root for anybody's destruction, right. even your enemies. Yeah. But now I want you to think about where, as Christians, what, what is our part in this? The tribulation, you read Revelation, most people go, oh, oh that's all about the Antichrist. Yeah. Well, 
the tribulation is mostly against the Antichrist, not against uh, people. Right. Only 12 verses out of 403 are persecution of the church. 3% of the book of Revelation is persecution. 3%. Tribulation is the judgment of God destroying oppression. Hmm. Say that again. Tribulation is the judgment of God destroying oppression. Like Moses and the Israelites in Goshen, partnering with the Lord in prayer, based on scripture, 150 chapters are on end times. And the shadows and types, I believe, that we talk about all the time as I teach on these feasts, I believe the rapture is at the end, not the beginning of the tribulation. That said, when it happens, whenever it happens, we'll all know for sure. We'll argue about it then. Either way, <laughs> be near Christ and you'll be good. Uh, that's the same bet right there. That's how I look at it, man. Yeah. Moses releases and stops the plagues as God directs them and as Pharaoh responds to them. The church in the end times is Moses. The trumpets are hail, these seven trumpets in Revelation. Hail, fire, blood, sounds familiar, right? Mm. Then the seas turn to blood, death of sea creatures are destroyed, ships, bitter water from a meteorite, the sun, moon, stars struck, darkness comes again, sounds familiar. Locusts like scorpions the size of horses, wow. Four angels bring death, and this is worldwide, not just Egypt. Two witnesses preach or killed and resurrected. There's earthquakes and war. Dragons, there's two beasts, 666. 144,000 redeemed. The great harvest. The wine press of the wrath of God. Good gosh. We want our garments stained red. We want to drip with the blood of the Lamb. That's what we long for. The problem with an early rapture is the hands and feet of Jesus, us, are gone when the great harvest arrives. Hmm. That makes no sense at all. It's nice to get out of here before the bad stuff happens, but you're the church. <laughs> this is where you step up and do your job. Revelation 16 says, We are in heaven, and the bowls are poured forth on those who took the mark of the beast. Then Jesus leads us into the final battle. So you can tell where you're at just from what's going on if you read it in terms of, of the Passover language yeah. in, in Egypt. So remember, for the end times, don't be afraid to tackle Revelation and to look at that because it's our book. It's about what we do. It's about how we overcome and uh, the overcomer who is in us. Amen. All right, we got one more part of the symbols, some of the really cool stuff. 